So much talk about Tyson Wilder 2. It looks like we're going to get Tyson Wilder, the trilogy. Deontay Wilder, coming off his loss to Fury, has decided to use his rematch clause, which means they will fight again. But if you expect a big entrance this time around, think again. Wilder said that 45-pound, somewhat ridiculous costume that he wore on his way to the ring over the weekend weakened his legs and impacted his fighting ability. Nick, I, I can, I'm sensing <laughs> I by your so much. crazy laughter. Truth or excuse? Oh, I, listen. Truth I, or excuse? Here's what weakened his legs. When he got that, the, what would it have been? Right here? So it would have been the right hand to his to left ear. ear that totally ruined his equilibrium. That's what weakened his legs. But this is an all-time great excuse. <laughs> I love it so much because, A, prove it's not true. Like, pr prove it. He, he can go to his grave saying it was this 45-pound outfit that weakened my legs, and he can tell everyone that. And it, this is in line with boxing, the annals of boxing of a guy gets whooped and then says, wait, what? Dragonfly Drones, a great follow on Twitter, brought this up last night and I had forgotten about it. You remember the No Moss fight? Roberto Duran, Sugar Ray Leonard, one of the most famous fights ever, when Sugar Ray is just beating Roberto Duran so badly, he quits. No, no Moss, can't do it anymore. After the fight, Roberto Duran said what happened was, I had a hot cup of tea and then a cold cup of water and it ruined me. Messed my system He said up. it was hot tea, cold water, can't do it, that's why I lost. As opposed to Sugar Ray Leonard annihilating you. We all watched what Tyson Fury did to him. Mm -hmm. No one believes it's because of this costume, but I love it. I think that is, it is an all-time great post-fight excuse. And so, is it an excuse or is it the truth? I'd say both. I'd say it, in his mind, he has convinced himself <laughs> it's the truth, maybe because his mind is still not yes, right from the beating Tyson Fury put right. on him. And so so yeah, I say it's the excuse and the truth, Greg Jennings. Yeah, this is a big time excuse. And what I don't like about it is right after the fight, he gets interviewed and he talks about not having any excuses. But then we come out with this and maybe, maybe it did weigh him down. But here's my problem. Like, that wasn't the first time he tried this on. Like, he knew how much it weighed. Right. Prior to walking in the end, making his grand entrance, but prior to even the fight, he was pacing back and forth for for at least an hour. Like, get off your legs. You don't think that had anything to do with it? I actually think the pacing had as much to do with it as the costume. What had to do with it was him. He got hit so hard no in his doubt. ear it was bleeding. Absolutely, it and it completely throws off your equilibrium anytime you've been hit like that. Here's what else it does: it throws off your ability to make put cohesive sense sentences together 24 hours 48 hours after the fight so perhaps we should take everything oh, the same with no, no, no. there's I no think, doubt the I guy's probably a, got some sort of I think this is a cogent thought by him and it's his only possible path to an <laughs> excuse it. he's listen he's activating the as you mentioned the, the rematch, rematch clause. clause yep and I said on this air yesterday that if this fight happens 10 more times that Tyson Fury wins 10 more times I have now it's taken me 24 hours to convince myself Deontay Wilder can win I believe it's because of the punch to the ear and the costume I'm on, I'm on Team Wilder once again, <laughs> even though what I just saw happen. We all knew Wilder could only win by landing one massive right hand. He was 
In the first fight, Fury was killing him on points mm -hmm. until the knockdown in the 12th round. He salvages a draw. In this fight, you could argue Fury won every round. Maybe Wilder won the second. His only chance is to hit him with one massive overhand right. And the equilibrium was thrown off, I think, by the punch to the ear. Maybe by this didn't help. And so if neither of those things happened, the third fight should be a good one. So let's talk about the third fight. Is that what you want to see? Do you want to see these two get back in a ring together? Um, I would I would not mind seeing it. I don't think it's necessary for Wilder. Yes, it is necessary because he feels like he can beat Fury. Where I, from my eyes, what my eyes told me watching that boxing match, watching the first one, is Fury is a boxer. Wilder is a bruiser. He's a puncher. He's a puncher. And if he gets that punch, if he gets one of those paws on you, you may be out. But Fury believes even if he does get that paw on you're me, gonna have to, yeah. I, you're going to have to get it on me multiple times because I have gotten up from it once and I will get up from it again. So I, I think it'll be a good match. I think it would be better than what we saw this last time, Listen, which would the, be the, necessary. The fight that everyone needs to see, it would appear, is Fury-Joshua. Joshua. Yes. But they, listen, they, these guys signed a contract. And it was in the contract that if Wilder loses, he can activate a rematch clause, and he's activating it. So more power to him. He's not scared. He he has now come out and said he didn't want the towel thrown in. He's considering firing his trainer. I I think it's I think it's corner saved him. They hundred percent. And I think that if there's any criticism of the corner, it's that it wasn't stopped on the Center. stool in the sixth. You know what I mean? That it wasn't stopped. In the, it could have been stopped earlier than it was. But I more power to him for wanting to go out and fight fight him again. There is, though, an element of you mentioned Fury's a boxer and Wilder's more of a bruiser, and I'm not saying you're wrong on that, but I do think because he got beat so soundly, there has been an overreaction to, well, how good is Deontay Wilder really? The guy turned pro when George W. Bush was president. This was the first time he's ever lost. So, I mean, he's gone, he's had a pretty good run with his style. It's been pretty successful with his style. He fought him once and knocked him seemingly out cold in the 12th round and then Fury did an undertaker and sat up at the seven count and ended up Look. and they end up having a draw. I think I think Wilder is a great fighter. Fury does appear to be far ahead of him, at least he did in this fight and for big portions of the first fight, but I'll watch the third one and then the winner goes and fights Anthony Joshua. And maybe he learned a lesson. He'll wear a robe next time. <laughs> a little totally silky understated. robe that weighs <laughs> as much as well, a, like a little Ali. A little we'll Ali. One little That's Ali it. Robe. Take That's it off. Not we'll 45 pounds of armor. <laughs> or, or just what? Like fairy. Oh, or just I didn't even think off. about that. He should have mentioned that. Off. I got all this on. Yep, he He's getting carried in. It's even worse. Have you ever had muscle pain? I'm talking stop you in your tracks. I'll never work out again. What am I going to do kind of pain? This is the kind of pain Dr. Jason Worsland was in when he created Theragun, the deep muscle massager that's unlike anything you've ever felt. Theragun isn't a cheap massager that just tickles your muscles. Their handheld percussive device uses a scientifically calibrated combination of speed, depth, and power to release the deepest muscle tension. Whether you want to treat 
treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just everyday life, you can use Theragun. Theragun is the preferred muscle recovery device for over 250 professional sports teams and used by hundreds of thousands of satisfied customers around the world to reduce pain, increase range of motion, and soothe aching muscles. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days or your money back by going to theragun.com slash cadence. For a limited time, our listeners get a free charging stand with a purchase, a $79 value. That's theragun.com slash cadence, theragun.com slash cadence. Greg Jennings talking NFL draft. So the combine is underway and Joe Burrow is already in the news. His hands measured in at nine inches. No first round quarterback has had smaller hands than nine inches since 2008. And while his stock might be going down, Tua Tungavaloa's might be going up. Pro Football Focus says Tua will be a high end starter if he is healthy. As for Burrow and his hands, the Heisman winner tweeted yesterday, this is fantastic. Look what he tweeted. Considering retirement after I was informed the football will be slipping out of my tiny hands. Please keep me in your thoughts. It's great. Lean into it. I Why love not? that, Joey. That's uh, great. All right, Nick, who should be the first pick in the draft? A lot of people have Burrow. You've been on side Tua for, for a while. And it's now. not an anti-Joe Burrow take, and yeah. I promise it has nothing to do with his tiny, tiny hands. The, the, <laughs> why, do they, why do they have to be tiny, tiny? He called, oh, he, yeah, just he, one tiny. Well, okay, fair enough. The, it just his tiny hands, his self-proclaimed tiny hands. The best quarterback in the NFL and the most talented quarterback my eyes have ever laid, laid eyes on, Patrick Mahomes, his hands are a whole quarter of an inch. Bigger than Joe Burrow's. Nine and so a quarter. Nine and a quarter to Joe's nine. And we saw him play. And I understand the, the stripes on the college football as opposed to the NFL football. So it's a little different about how much hand size matters. And, by the way, the guy, you played with two guys with freak show hands, right? Mm-hmm. In Favre and Rodgers. And we have seen, you can talk about this far better than me, we've seen countless uh, uh, highlights of them going back in the pocket, some behemoth coming off their blind side, chopping down on their arm, and somehow the ball not coming loose. So I, I do think it matters to a degree. But before I knew Joe Burrow's hand size, I would have said Tua, and the answer is multi-layered. One is I think Tua's upside is higher. The other is there does seem to be, for Cincinnati in particular, some murmurs that Joe Burrow maybe wouldn't want to be there. Tua, there is no question he would be thrilled to be anywhere, and he's going to sit the first year. So if you're Cincinnati and you need a total overhaul anyway, having a redshirt year from Tua where you can be bad again is not the worst thing in the world, as opposed to drafting Burrow, who's going to expect to be playing immediately behind a team that needs an overhaul and maybe get beat up a bit. So for a lot of reasons, but most notably, I think Joe Burrow is good at everything. And aside from collegiate accuracy, I don't know that he's great a-level NFL great at anything, and I think Tua can be a superstar in this league. I would take Tua, but it's got very little to do with Joe Burrow's little hands. Okay. Tiny hands. Okay, sorry. Come on, My Nick. apologies. So I agree with you on some of your, your stance. I, I like Tua better than I do like Joe Burrow, but I just want to put everyone in Joe Burrow's shoes for a second. Like, I'm the healthy one, and this guy is injured, and you're questioning whether who you would take, like he's gonna feel some level of disrespect. Like as an athlete, as a as people, as, as competitors, 
if someone didn't show up and actually perform the way that you're doing it right now and they did it from home and they just called in mm -hmm. and they were sick, you'd be like, dude, he sounded terrible. He's sick. He's not, he can't do what I do. They can't run 12 miles in one day when they got a <laughs> half mile in, in two weeks. Like you would feel some way slighted. And, and all you've done is have success. One of the and greatest you, single seasons. All you've done is have success. Joe Burrow is, he should be the number one overall draft pick because he is healthy. Now, that may be the only reason why, because as far as talent level, as far as what these guys can be, that's to be seen. But right now, I'm not taking, if I'm Cincinnati, Tua, and I know my, my organization needs an overhaul, and I need a guy now and to give my fan base and to sell tickets and say, oh, yeah, we're going to take Tua, but he's not going to play this year, so you got to wait for 2021 or 2022. Like, no, that's not how it works. You take the healthy guy because you understand, I need someone right now that can provide me with some type of list, lift, some type of boost. That is Joe Burrow. I just have to ask about the injury, because the injury is what's keeping us really from having a true conversation of who the number one guy should be coming out of the draft. He doesn't just have an injury. He's injury prone. He's had a number of injuries. The most recent one, the hip, which now they're saying if he's healthy, he could be, you know, good to go. He's wearing the brace on the knee in that picture there. Do, do you worry about him coming out? The fact that in college, he's really banged up a number of different limbs already, his hip most specifically? Yes, you worry. You worry. And it, every Going through the NFL combine, like I had – an ankle injury, I had like an elbow, elbow dislocation. They literally, I was in an x-ray room for eight and a half hours wow. because they were trying to MRI as well, make sure that my ankles were good, make sure that my, make sure every little thing was perfectly fine because this is a, is a huge investment. Huge, huge Now I was a second round draft pick. Imagine if you're potentially going to be the number one draft pick. Overall, you're going to go above and beyond. You're going to look at Tua and say, I can't take that type of a chance he right out the gate, number one overall, and he's hurt. And sell this to my fan base and say, this is the product that we just bought. This is what we're bringing. Right. It, but, but wait, we can't use it. So well, make the but case, but so here's why you can is because in order to be successful as the number one overall pick of the draft at quarterback, you have to turn into a championship level quarterback. I'm not saying you have to win a Super Bowl, but you've got to be a, t a quarterback that's good enough to put your team in contention to compete for them. And who you got to go through if you're Cincinnati in your division. You have to go through reigning MVP Lamar Jackson, and you're going to have to go through Baker Mayfield, who I believe is going to bounce back after a sensational rookie season and then a bad second year. And by the way, the Steelers are still there. If you get through your division, you are going to have to go through future MVP Deshaun Watson, and then you're going to have to go through reigning Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes. You better have a stud at quarterback. You cannot have a rich man's Andy Dalton. You got to have a guy that can go across the field eye to eye with Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and say, man, 
Today, I'm the better quarterback, and I think that's Tua, even if you got to wait a year for it. I think the, the, I understand your point. There's safety in Joe Burrow, and maybe Joe Burrow will turn into the quarterback that I believe Tua ultimately will be. But I think Tua's upside is too high to pass up on at that spot, especially in your, you, you know who you're competing against in the NFL. Players change, quarterbacks don't. Lamar is going to be the quarterback of the Ravens for the enti- at a minimum, the entirety of whoever they draft their rookie contract. Baker Mayfield's going to be in Cleveland. The Steelers are going to be the damn Steelers, no matter who their quarterback is. And then you have Deshaun, who's about to get a five-year huge extension, and Patrick, who's about to get a five-year huge extension. Who do you feel like can elevate your franchise to compete with those guys. It's the same thing, by the way, the Houston Texans, what changed their franchise, and I know they haven't had massive playoff success, was they went from also Rands or good but not great Matt Schaub to Deshaun Bleeping Watson. Let's go. We, I know they blew the game, but we can be up 24-0 on the road in a playoff game on Patrick Mahomes. Like they, you, You're going to have to have the best A-plus option, and to me, that's Tua. The injuries are the only reason that, to me, this isn't an open-and-shut case. Drawing a blank. Here we go. It looks like Cam Newton's time in Carolina might be coming to a close with the Panthers reportedly, quote, open for business on the trade market. Nick, the best trade destination for Cam Newton, in your opinion, would be blank. The New England Patriots. The New England Patriots, who I don't think have this just nobody, nobody's playing wide receiver for them. I think they have legitimate options out there. I think, I mean, I'm told by Patriot fans all the time that Julian Edelman's one day going to be a Hall of Famer. I think Nikhil Harry was an excellent collegiate player who, if you get in a maybe a little more of a free-flowing offense than timing, precision, got to be there at seven and a half yards at this exact time, he can become the player we saw him at Arizona State. And I think Cam, with a great coach and a great defense, you can see the Cam Newton we saw a few years ago. So I say the New England Patriots. I say the Chicago Bears, and I've said this before. I like the Chicago Bears. I like Matt Nagy. I like them him as a play caller. I like the guys that they have around him. Um, Robinson, Gabriel, like they have pieces that he can go in. An organization and a franchise that has not really had that guy come in at that position and have success. God, and that so they long. knew they were going to build around and then have some success with, I think Cam would be a great fit. All right, moving on to Joe Burrow now. The projected number one overall pick had his hands measured at just nine inches at the Combine this weekend. No first-round quarterback has had smaller hands since 2008. Greg, the quarterback draft prospect most ready to start week one is blank. Most ready to start week one? I mean, it's Joe Burrow because he's healthy, but... if, if there was a healthy Tua, yes, I would say yeah, Tua. Yeah, but your answer is Joe Burrow. Not. <laughs> right, so because he's healthy. Not healthy. Yes. I know, I'm just Listen, saying. Tua should be the number one overall pick, I believe. No, he should not. He, he should be the number one overall pick, even though he's not ready to start week one. He's not ready to play week, year one, I don't think. So the answer is Joe Burrow. Like, the, it has to be, because Joe Burrow's could play week one, and I think probably will play week one for whomever drafts him, almost assuredly Cincinnati. Tua, on the other hand, I don't think we will see him all year. I think he's going to take a red shirt year, which would be the smart thing. So even though I would take him despite the red shirt year, the answer to this question is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. NFL.com released their top 101 free agents. 
with Cowboys Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper, numbers one and three on the list, respectively. But Greg will let you decide. The most captivating free agent is blank. I like Jadavian Clowney. Uh, with what he was able to do with Seattle Seahawks, uh, I like his ability to be a game breaker. When he decides, and he decided last year that he can do it every single play, he's something special. And I think any team that's able to wrap their arms around that and acquire that talent, they're going to be better off. I think Clowney's a star. I think the knock on him in Houston was unfair for intermittent effort. He is one of the best run defenders at his yes. position in football. He doesn't get credit for that. But to me, this is insane. It's an insane question. The most captivating free agent? The greatest football player of all time is a free agent. So that is the most captivating free agent. I feel like maybe on this show we talk a little bit too much about Dak's free agency. We cannot talk enough about Tom Brady's free agency. It is, to me, one of the most fascinating sports stories of the last five years that a quarterback who we so we can't even conceptualize him in another uniform, I believe is going to end up playing next season in another uniform. I don't think he's coming back to New England, and we are going to have franchises changed, multiple franchises changed by this one man's decision and unlike nearly all the other free agents, Clowney has this as well in his contract, can't be franchised yet. Yes. So these other guys, you know, Dak's a free agent, but maybe not really. Right. Brady is a true, true free, free agent, agent and he's the greatest quarterback anybody's ever seen. To me, he's the most captivating. I'm player. with you. I like that as well. Clippers hosting the Grizzlies last night. Kawhi Leonard finished with a game-high 25 points, 8 rebounds. And Paul George was back from injury. Not a great night for him, just 7 points. Clippers win, ending their three-game slide. So, Nick, this duo, Kawhi, PG, are they good enough to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the other big duos in the league right now at this point? No, I, I mean, I don't think they are because they. you've got your best player in Kawhi who is – the single biggest injury concern in the league. The, there's no other way. He, he either doesn't really like playing basketball or they are so concerned about him being hurt, he is on, for the third consecutive year, an unprecedented load management setup. Two years ago, there was the controversy in, with San Antonio where they said, you can play, and he said, no, I cannot. Last year, he was a player coming off whatever that was who sat out 22 games without suffering during the season of major injury. And in the postseason, every series, except for the first round, at different times it was Kawhi's laboring. Now he didn't miss any games, but you saw it affecting him. And arguably his two worst playoff games were the games five and six of the finals, where he clearly was running out of gas. And now this year, he's been on a load management plan unlike anybody else. That's your best player. Your second best player is playing worse and less than any of the other team's second best player, right? Like, and now Paul George, we can, I, he had double shoulder surgery and then suffered a hamstring injury. And he, last year was his best year as a pro. He was, I think, third in the MVP voting. So I'm not trying to d disrespect Paul George. Just given where his body's at, I have real concerns. So one guy's an injury concern. The other guy is has been repeatedly injured this year. The team right now is a game and a half out of the five seed. No, I, I certainly don't think. Who are the best duos? LeBron and Anthony Davis, Giannis and Middleton, Harden and Westbrook. I, to me, the, the Clippers are a clear fourth out of those 
four if those are your top four duos in basketball. So, no, I, I, I don't think it's enough, but I've been lower on the Clippers, Sarah, than just about anybody, and we'll see if I'm right. But th that's where I feel even after they were sensational last night. Jenna, I'm going to answer your question. You said right now we're at this point. Right. No, we can't say it just because I don't think we have a large enough sample size to even see exactly what they're going to be. They've played 25 games together, 18 and 7 during that time. I do think, though, as we project into the future and what it's going to look like in the postseason, the fact that our understanding is that Kawhi Leonard is load management, managing so much for the the anticipation that he will be healthy and ready to go in the postseason. We saw that last year in Toronto and the same seems to be the plan going into this season. However, I think they have the potential to be one of the best duos. You look at LeBron James and Anthony Davis who I think really are the clear-cut favorite of the best duos, but it, what surprised me most about not only those two but the team in general is how how quickly they all came together. To me, anytime you have new pieces, new players, despite how good the fit seems on paper, you assume it's going to take some time. For them, it took no time at all. They came out of the gates looking like they've played together for years. With Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, I think those two have a, a fit because of the versatility, because of the position they play, that they can fit well together. I think they played so well on the court. So I believe that they will eventually be able to be toe-to-toe -to -toe as one of the best duos in the league. Right now, though, I agree with your assessment that they're right around third or fourth here in the league. Well, so you got 25 games left in the season. And you saw Kawhi this weekend say, talk about lack of communication. He thought Landry was going to cut to the basket. Landry went out for a three in a critical possession. I think it was 103, 103, couple minutes yep. left. I, you've also added a bunch of pieces. Reggie Jackson, famously known for selfless winning player. Marcus Morris is a totally emo stable emotional force. They have been added to the team. Other guys' minutes are going to be, and Kawhi is going to miss time and by the way you do have you're the Clippers your toughest 10 days of the season coming up Denver Philly at OKC at Houston and then the Lakers those are your next five so we will hopefully we see the team together and we see how they can play together because last night they were sensational but I, I, I just want to add one other part of this if they are the four seed as they've been flirting with all year long and Houston stays where they are and you get Houston the Clippers in the first round of the playoffs let's just say the Clippers win it I don't know that I'd pick them to win it, but let's just say they Clippers win it. That'd be a long, tough series. You would then be getting, we would get Lakers Clippers. It would just be in round two instead of the conference finals. The Lakers would have likely come off their first time load managing all year. Final week of the regular season, Lakers ain't going to have to play at all. First round of the playoffs, they're going to have to play four games. So they will have a week off at the end of the regular season, four games, and then another week off as rest as they've been all year to potentially take on a Clippers team that for the first time all year, it's like, hey guys, everyone's gotta play. Listen, I know it stinks, no extra, no, no PTO this week, gotta come in and the games are gonna be hard. That's what they're setting themselves up for. I don't think that is going to end well for them. And I will argue with you that they have played 32 games without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George playing together this season. They're third in the West. I think for most accounts, many would feel like they're underperforming from what we expected. And they're one game back of the number two seed, Denver. And so to me, I think there's a lot of optimism to think about what they can become in this final stretch and then once they head into the postseason. And this final stretch is still 25 games for them to sort of figure it all this out. This next five is going to be real interesting. You play You're five right. of the best Schedules. teams in basketball. Uh, there was one low light of the game we want to highlight. Paul George. What? What? On the fast break, forget to do the one thing you learn how to do when you're six years old. You know, dribble. One, two, What's the problem three. here? 
Well, I, I think that they call it a travel. I, I, but I, I, when did he get like off the yeah, I like it. I, 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 I mean, it. No, but I feel we've like seen that's worse. Legal. We've seen worse. But you feel like it's legal. Travel yeah, I feel like that's legal. You are into the finger. You gather don't mind the traveling. You're the basketball. Jump step. Yeah. Gather. Yeah. Yeah. Hold yeah. on. Show that again. It's Show that again, he doesn't have the ball. No. Now he has the yeah, ball. The, the, other, the other clip is the better one because I do. When does he actually Watch. have possession? Watch. So he has possession Gather. now. One, two. two. Jump. Shh. You guys. Yeah, I like it. What kind of counting is that? What do you mean what type of counting is that? Five it's, steps. No, no, no. I think that's legal. I'm on team Paul George on this, and he needed what, every I'm basket he could get yesterday. What, what was Paul George? About? Paul George seven had a rough game. It was seven? three of 11. If they what? call that, I mean, now he's, now he's two of 10. Oh, With I know what a, you're doing. It was doing. a blowout. What am I doing? You're joshing me. That's what you're doing. Joshing you? Yeah, that's what you're doing. I'm with it. How He's not with, with it. it. He may be facetious. I'm with it. Thank you. It's like a we little bit of a We got one hooper on the desk. It ain't me. Can it I ain't Janet Saracustak. I did She says it's legal. Oh. Basketball sophomore season in high school. My Could coach. be a little more lenient. Okay. Thank you for listening to the First Things First podcast. Remember, leave us a review and tell us what you think. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and catch us on FS1 Monday through Friday, 6.30 a.m. Eastern. 